Hey friends, welcome to How the Hell Are We Friends, the podcast where we discuss hard-hitting topics that sometimes result in different opinions, so much so it can make us question our friendships. But we are here to find the value in these opposing perspectives and maybe even become a little bit more empathetic in the process. That way, the next time we hear a crazy-ass statement from a friend, we don't jump to judgment, but instead we lean in and maybe even broaden our own perspective in the process. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to How the Hell Are We Friends podcast. This is your host, Tommy Jones. And today, we're going to do a little bit something different. I'm going to call these episodes Tommy's Tidbits. And I think these are going to be like my favorite episodes because we're going to cover some questions that I got from previous episodes and or just some things that are on my mind that I like to convey that helped me with my journey into retirement or health or relationships or any of the above. So today I'm going to be covering some questions that I got from a good friend and other listeners. And one of those first questions are how to expand on how I defined luck. Because if you remember in my last episode, I defined luck as when preparation meets opportunity. And I think we've heard someone say, man, that person is so lucky. They have this or that, or they retired young or whatever it is. And they tend to call that luck a lot. And that rubs me the wrong way sometimes. I mean, how can someone's accomplishments all boil down to luck, right? I mean, yes, I can agree some things are simple luck, like walking down the street and finding a $100 bill. But wait, that $100 bill could have been passed up by so many people that day. And the person who found it may have always worked on their awareness and what's around them. But that's besides the point. <laughs> luck to me is when someone continuously prepares for the life that they want or whatever they're chasing. So when an opportunity arises, no matter how big or small, you're prepared to seize that moment. And I think that is what most people overlook when they describe a lucky situation or talk about someone's lucky situation. And a good friend asked me to explain how do I do this? How to embody this? How can I be prepared for these opportunities, right? So I just wanted to go into a little story time to kind of explain a few perspectives of that. So I'll start off with saying when I was getting close to graduating in school, I decided to pursue a career in consulting. And there are many different arms in consulting. There can be tax, accounting, but I really wanted to pursue becoming a financial consultant. I wanted to help companies operate more efficiently and like help them with their budget, restructure their finances and help them plan for the future, you know, all that good stuff. So immediately after making this decision at the beginning of my senior year, I began to study and prepare for when that day ultimately came to interview. And I want you to notice the difference in what I mean to prepare. So I started studying before I even graduated, before I even applied for a single consulting firm yet. So I'm not talking about preparing for your interview right before them, I mean, which you should also do, but I'm talking about preparing for the idea of that unknown interview. Don't procrastinate. And I say that because, you know, we can make a decision to choose a career and say we're in our senior year or we're going to pursue that career in a year. So we're like, hey, I'll just prepare for that interview once I get closer to the day that I want to start interviewing. And that's procrastination. And that can lead us to many unlucky situations because who knows 
from now when you made the decision that you want to do something, be something or start a new career? What if between now and the date that you really want to pursue it, you get an opportunity to get an on the spot interview or you're talking to someone and you're just simply not prepared? That is an opportunity that could be wasted and luck that could be wasted. So what I did to prepare, as soon as I figured out I wanted to be a consultant, I started reading consultant interviewing books that kind of talked about the form of questions that I would be asked in interviews. I started to network with people that were currently in the consulting fields that may have graduated a year or two before me or anyone that I could network with. As you know, I love my networks and they're important to me. And I started watching YouTube videos and just learning the different personality types and specific types of intellect that consulting firms are looking for before I even applied, like I said, to a firm. Now, when preparation like that finally meets an opportunity of the interview, you do so well that some people could possibly call it luck. Like, oh man, he killed that interview. He's so lucky. But I would like to pay a lot of credit to that to the preparation. And that's exactly what I did when I started filling out applications. And I actually got an interview. I was so damn prepared. I killed that interview and was offered the job with the added fact that I was the best candidate that they interviewed that day. And I'll walk you through kind of what that consulting interview looked like. It was not just an hour interview. It took a total of eight hours. And the first part of that interview was I had to take a financial exam to show that I had the acumen of a finance graduate. I then interviewed with four different people at the firm, different directors, different managers. And what my preparation helped me out with was the type of questions that would be in those interviews. And they were kind of brain teaser questions. One was, if there's three switches on the wall and three light bulbs in the other room, but you couldn't see in the other room, how could you label each light bulb? And it was amazing because I read this exact question in one of the books. So I had to sit there and pretend like, oh, that's a really good question. Uh, let me think about this. But I already knew the answer because I was very prepared. And the answer to that question is you turn one light switch on, leave it on for a few minutes so the light bulb can heat up in the other room because you want to utilize all your senses. Then you turn off that light switch, turn on another one, go into the other room. The light switch that you turned on last, that's still on, that's labeled that light bulb. And then you go and touch the other two. The one that was warm was the light switch that you turned on for a few minutes and turned off. And the one that's cold is the one you never touched. And you labeled all three. See, consultants wanted to see if you could think your way through these different complex issues that could arise at any client. So they wanted to make sure that you can think through something, even if you didn't get the right answer sometimes. Like one of the questions were, how many ping pong balls can you fit in an airplane? So you had to follow up with, oh, what kind of airplane is it? Is it a 747, 737, 707? Are there passengers in the plane? Are there chairs in the plane? Or is the fuselage just empty? Because a square inch of a ping pong ball is one inch. So we have to get the diameter of the fuselage and extrapolate from there. You know, they just wanted to see if you had those type of thought patterns. And a lot of people struggle with those questions in that interview that day. But I was told I was the only one that got all of them right because they asked about like seven of them. And I got those right because I was really prepared because as soon as I found out I want to be a consultant, that's what I did. And so after those interviews, they took us into a room and gave us some financial documents and said, hey, tell us what's wrong with this company and create a PowerPoint slide and show us what's wrong with this company and present it. So after all those things, yeah, I got the job and was extremely excited. It was like I had a cheat sheet to this interview because I prepared so well. 
Now, some people can say, wow, you were up against some of the brightest people from college interviewing with you and you got that job and would say, man, Tommy, you're lucky. But it wasn't. I was just extremely prepared for that opportunity and that opportunity changed my life. And another good story, I just recently watched this documentary where it was on Jennifer Lopez and she was dancing at this studio and she was preparing for her Super Bowl show. And these kids came in because they danced in the same studio. Now her session or time was over and these kids asked if they could dance for her and they danced for her and they killed it. And J-Lo absolutely loved what she saw and she invited these kids to a once in a lifetime opportunity to dance on the stage with her at the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, these kids didn't just get lucky. They were in there dancing and preparing every single day for an unknown opportunity. But the fact that they prepared so diligently and so hardworking, when they actually got an opportunity, they impressed a superstar and got to dance on the Super Bowl halftime show with her. Once in a lifetime opportunity. And that all goes to preparation. So anytime you think that you're interested in something, you want to go be great at something, be relentless at preparing for it. So anytime of any opportunity of any shape, size, or fashion arises, you're going to be there to, to meet that opportunity with your full potential and create your own luck. But also remember, when you do show up for these opportunities, and if you ever get a response of no, I think you should understand that that no is not an answer. It's just yet another opportunity. It shows you how to refine your skills or your craft because if someone passes on you in an interview or a performance or anything like that and says, no, that's not an answer. It's not telling you to stop your journey. It, it, that is a direction of, of feedback of saying, oh, no, not this time because you weren't sharp enough or because we need someone to know finance better or we need someone to have better communication skills. Now, that's an opportunity because now you have the formula of exactly what you're lacking to go work on. So don't get unmotivated because you may hear no. Just use that as another tool of how to train and how to prepare better for that next opportunity. So yeah, so that's what I wanted to expand on when it came to how to be prepared for those opportunities to create your own luck. And the next question I was asked was, I think I mentioned in the podcast a few times about how it's really beneficial for you to listen to someone, even if you know that subject matter you're talking about. So the question was, how do I stop the urge of thinking that I know better or know the better way to do something, or I know the subject matter better when I hear someone else speaking about it? And, you know, it can be a hard thing because if someone's speaking about something that you would classify yourself a subject matter expert in, it's kind of hard to listen to them when they're speaking because you're always thinking in your head, oh, I already know this, I already know this, I, don't, I can interrupt them or I don't have to listen. And I love that question because this helps me explain the true nucleus of this podcast. And that's kind of based around the Socrates quote, true knowledge exists knowing you know nothing. And that is like one of my favorite quotes because it's one of my favorite ways of learning and gaining knowledge from other people's experiences and perspectives. Because if I always understand that I know nothing, I'm always going to be thirsty for new knowledge. So 
basically here, the question is, how do we cut that knee-jerk habit of telling ourselves we know better when someone else is talking about a subject matter that we know very well? Well, I like to think that every conversation is an opportunity to increase my luck by gathering more knowledge to be even more better prepared for a multitude of situations or topics that I can find myself in. I tell people all the time, I try my hardest to live by that quote. So when I hear someone speaking about a subject matter that I think I'm the expert in, I tend to listen even more intently to try to dig out a new perspective or a new piece of knowledge that I never knew. Because in life, there's always an opportunity to become more prepared. But unfortunately, most people think they're already as prepared as they ever will need to be and sometimes don't see the value in others' perspectives, advice, or knowledge on the matter. And that is what I'm here trying to eradicate, hopefully, like one person at a time if I can. I see it like this. Have you heard the saying, there are many ways to skin a cat? Well, in this case, let's use there's more ways than one to hunt for food. So if we learn one way of hunting, yes, we can then call ourselves a hunter. But how the hell do we know the way that we hunt is the most efficient or the best way to do it in any given environment or with any given tool that we have at our disposal? So what what is the harm of learning new different ways of hunting that we can learn how to hunt in different environments, in different weather climates, in different cultures, and with different tools? Now, if you think about it, it's like, okay, I learned how to hunt with bow and arrow, right? And if someone comes to speak to you about hunting with a rifle or setting traps to catch different animals or even hunting for vegetables and knowing what fruits are edible or what mushrooms are edible or what leaves you can eat. So like just because you know how to hunt with a bow doesn't mean someone that's starting a conversation about hunting, you should just say, oh my God, I'm really, really good at bow hunting and I don't want to hear what this person says. What if you find yourself isolated in a part of the world that you don't have a bow um, and the only thing you have is a rifle? Did you learn how to hunt with that? Or what if you're in a place with no animals around and all you can do is forage for berries and mushrooms? Like, have you learned that? So I always like to think that, hey, if someone's speaking about something that I'm really good at, I'm a good hunter, I'm going to listen because what if they tell me about a specific strain of mushroom that can kill me and that could save my life? I always try to keep that top of mind of saying, Tommy, you you don't know anything. You know, you you may know something, but in the grand scheme of things, the things that anyone would know at any given time is extremely small because there's such a big world with so many variables and so many different ways to complete the same task. And my goal is always to strive to see how many different ways I can complete any given task. I don't want to just know one way and say I'm an expert. I want to learn as many ways as I can. And what if I learned the way that I was doing something could be done more efficiently, more effectively with a lot less energy and a lot less thought given to it? Or being in a different environment and I can be a lot more adaptable. So yes, when people speak, for me to cut that knee-jerk response of saying, oh, I already know this, I already know this, is excitement of like, oh my goodness, I possibly could learn even more. Because then what if someone asks me how to hunt with you know, a bow or a rifle or anything else like that, I can go to them and say, oh yeah, I just learned this the other day, you know, and being able to pass on that knowledge makes me more excited than anything because I found in this portion of my life, the thing that 
brings me the most value is being able to help other people. And the best way I can help other people is to try to remain as humble as I can and always remind myself of that quote of true knowledge is knowing that you have no knowledge at all. So I can absorb more things. So if someone ever needs to have help in any area, I can try to be there to help them. And that's where I derive a lot of my value. Now, I say all this to tell you to try to listen and learn more. So if you're ever in an opportunity to prove you can do something in a specific way, maybe you would know how to do it. And not only in your way, but in many different people's ways to get the job done and create yourself some luck. And as I talk about that, this kind of correlates heavily with receiving constructive criticism. You can sit there and talk like you know better, or you can hear their perspectives before interrupting them. And even if you are right and they are not, you just learn more about them and how they think and how that connects to their experiences and their world that they live in. We tend to think if we can win a conversation or prove we don't need constructive criticism, we are somehow superior. But in my reality, we just look like we know it all and we end up looking like we don't have a clue sometimes because even hearing someone all the way through shows such a sign of respect and trust me, respect goes a lot further than being known as a person who thinks they know it all because true knowledge is knowing you know nothing at all. So I always like to think, man, even if I think I know something that someone is criticizing me on or trying to give me feedback, I definitely want to listen because one, for someone to give me constructive criticism means they actually care. They reviewed what I'm doing and they think they can help me out in some specific way. So I see that as a great sign of respect for me. So I always try to pay that respect back by listening, even if I think I know the answer. And I guess the last portion of this Tommy's tidbits would be over a, a few financial tidbits. And I get asked a lot about that, about, hey, how did you retire so early? What are some of the uh, passive incomes that you currently have operating. And, you know, I don't want this show to become strictly about finance and continuously put out all finance because I am creating a life coach, career coach, career out of this since I've retired to try to help people through that journey of learning how to invest in many different ways and different products and avenues to gain passive income. But I am excited to share a few of the things here and there throughout my podcast. And one thing that definitely catapulted me into my financial success is a little bit what I said in episode two is I paid myself first. Um, and that was something I learned from the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, which I highly recommend you read. And I have an Amazon store that I'm linking to my profile uh, my Instagram profile bio that you can go into my Amazon store and find a bunch of the books that I recommend throughout these shows. But the thing that that taught me is that I paid myself first and I sacrifice a lot, you know? So one of the things I did was house hack. And what I mean by house hacking is having a roommate. When I bought my house, I had three bedrooms in a basement and I didn't need all that space. So I always rented out a room to a friend pretty much in my upstairs and I completely finished my basement to be a self-sufficient apartment to rent that out as well. And I know 
during this time, a lot of my friends were always say, man, I could never live with a roommate. Like I want my privacy. <laughs> I want to walk around naked or I want to just do whatever I want. And of course, yeah, it's always great having your own privacy. But again, where is that piece of sacrifice coming in? Some people believe in this, some don't. I highly believed in sacrificing a lot of the things that I wanted now and I sacrificed them in order to gain some of the things I really wanted in the future. I really wanted to retire early. So this was a sacrifice that I was definitely willing to to make in sharing my home. You know, I like to travel anyway. So I'm like, hey, when I'm not even here, I'm earning passive income. Someone's helping pay my mortgage. And, you know, at a time, my mortgage was fully being paid when I rented out my basement apartment and my upstairs bedroom and I was able to take all that money, save it, and invest it. And another thing that I did is I never really went out and bought all the things that my desires that I wanted. I could have definitely afforded very, very nice cars, but I sacrificed that. I definitely could have afforded a lot more clothes, but I sacrificed that. I was notorious for shopping at stores like TJ Maxx anytime I ever even went shopping because I kept clothes for so long because, again... My focus wasn't on always having the the newest, nicest clothes or outfits to try to project or have this facade that I was very successful and I wanted people to see me and see how successful I was because I had all the name brand outfits on or, or whatever. I just, that wasn't of importance to me. My mind was always focused on that future goal of retiring. So any place that I could see I could make a sacrifice in, I did. And it's funny because a lot of my friends would always call me so cheap like, dude, you're so cheap. What are you doing? You make plenty of money. You do this, you do that. You have investments. Why are you so cheap? Just go out and buy this or that. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I always correct them. I'm like, I'm not cheap. I'm, I'm frugal. Like I have a very specific plan. And once I retired, a lot of people was like, oh, now I see what he was doing. You know, so those were two of my biggest ways that really catapulted me into becoming financially free a little earlier was just seeing every single angle that I could sacrifice in or that I didn't need. I tried to eliminate a lot of wants and desires and kind of lived by my needs, you know? And I did splurge a little bit. I'm a, I'm a huge traveler. I've been to like 26 countries, but that was also an investment in myself when I travel. I got to gain perspective. I got to see different cultures and how they operated. I understand it. And that made me very well-rounded and was able to go to my networks and expand on so many different avenues of life and living and culture and was able to discuss that, therefore able to broaden my network a lot more. So my traveling that I splurged on, I seen that as a huge investment in me and in my future. But yeah, so I guess I'll just end it there. And I'm so excited to put more of these episodes out. And if you ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me via Instagram or text or, or whatever way we communicate. Give me some good constructive criticism on how I can improve things or something that you would like me to expand on to dive deeper into. I'll be more than happy. I think these are going to be my favorite types of episodes. So thank you so much. And again, if you ever want to check out that volume test that I talk about in my episodes or any of the books that I talk about in my episodes, please go to my Instagram at tanktravels2 and or 
how the hell are we friends and look in my bio and go to my website and you can find the volume discount and you can find my Amazon stores to see all the books that I mentioned here. And today I did mention uh, The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a great book and I highly recommend you go check that out. But thanks again for always tuning in and listening to me and I hope you guys have a beautiful day. 